0: Hello, my Rebels. Uh, Today, I go through the great industrialization in the United States as Donald Trump harnesses industry to take on the virus. And I ask, how come Canada's not doing that? Hey, uh, let me invite you to become a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. It's basically the video version of these podcasts, as well as a couple other shows. It's eight bucks a month. Not too bad. Gives you something good to watch if you're stuck at home. Just go to rebelnews.com and you can find the subscribe button pretty easy. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, Donald Trump is harnessing America's industrial might in the battle against the virus. What's Trudeau doing? It's March 31st, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Tomorrow is a very special day for Justin Trudeau. First of all, he gets a raise. Seriously, in the middle of the pandemic, one million newly unemployed Canadians, Trudeau and the rest of Parliament are giving themselves a raise. A handful of Conservative MPs have announced that they're donating their race to charity, but not most of them. You'd think that's something that a Conservative Party leader would ask his whole caucus to do, would whip them to do. Not only because it's the right thing to do, but to put the Liberals and the other parties on the back foot to show how out of touch the elites are in this pandemic. Alas, Andrew Shear loves perks as much as any liberal. He still lives in Stornoway, still has the limo. And you'll recall he pocketed huge payments from the party in secret to pay for his kids' private school costs. For some reason, he didn't want to pay his school costs himself despite his quarter million dollar a year salary and a free house. I don't know why Peter McKay and Aaron O'Toole haven't made a fuss about it either. But really, we're learning who the most important people in society are, aren't we? The essential people, those who aren't essential. I've joked a bit about how we're not hearing much these days from gender studies professors. They seem a bit irrelevant. Trouble is, those gender studies professors are all still getting paid. Universities have closed, but they haven't stopped paying their professors. Professors who once worked 20 hours a week now work zero hours a week, but they still get paid. Same thing with members of parliament. Parliament is canceled But they're all getting paid, and they're getting a raise tonight at midnight. But back to Trudeau, he's the one guy you'd think would be working in this crisis, but he's now approaching his third week in seclusion, even though he doesn't have the virus. And his wife is living apart from him. He just likes hanging out at home in his pajamas, not having to do any real work. Of course he's going to take the raise. Are you nuts? So tonight at midnight, he gets his raise. He makes more than a third of a million bucks a year right now, and he has three official homes. He lives at Rideau Cottage, 22-room house called the Cottage, must be nice. His wife is at Harrington Lake, and his cook, I'm not kidding, his cook uses 24 Sussex. So tonight, Trudeau gets a raise, and tonight, the carbon tax goes up by 50%. Who are the most important people in the country these days? I'd put farmers and truckers on that list, obviously. So this is a special tax on farmers and truckers. That's what they use. I mean, it's a bloody miracle how grocery stores shelves stay so full. There were a couple of days, uh, a couple of weeks ago when some staples were briefly sold out and there were a few empty shelves, but I don't know, for some reason, everyone was panicking about toilet paper, of all the things to panic about. Well, there's no shortage of toilet paper or food. The shelves are full again. The two things we seem to lack, the things we really need, are disinfectant wipes for things and face masks. They remain stocked out because people truly are hoarding those, because they're really the only way to protect themselves by getting a mask, by getting the cleaning fluids. That's the only thing we can do as people that doesn't rely on politicians and deep state health bureaucrats. And Chinese expats around the world have bought all those supplies up and shipped them to China. And then Trudeau went ahead and did that with our national stockpile too. So let's sum up. Tonight, pay raise for a guy who spends all day in pajamas, just stays home, check. Carbon tax for the actual parts of the economy that are keeping us going, check. And of course tonight is the eve of his spiritual birthday, April Fool's Day, very big day for Trudeau back to what I mentioned about the one thing that stalked out, Patty Haidu, the health minister, told Canadians to panic, told them to stockpile items a few weeks ago. What kind of advice is that? That was her official advice as health minister. So people took her advice. It made no sense for most things. But really, back to the masks, where, where are they? You can't find any, at least I can't. And I spent some time driving around and calling around. You just can't find any masks. Ontario Premier Doug Ford heard there were some in some warehouse that weren't getting shipped, so he literally drove there to deliver them himself. I guess it was a photo op, but he was just getting it done in that Ford family style. Trudeau won't even leave his own house. China, which infected the world, is now making a big show of sending gifts of masks and virus tests and thermometers to European countries. Hundreds of thousands. Wow, they're so nice. Um, Here they are in the UK, with a big photo op and just so, everything labeled just so, uh, except they're shipping faulty goods. The gear they're sending, the tests they're sending, they don't work. The masks and the other equipment are faulty. I'm sorry, they just don't work. I'm not sure which is worse when it comes to a virus test, a false positive, that is a test that makes you think you do have the virus when you don't, or a false negative, a, a test that is wrong and, It says you don't have the virus when actually you do. That's China's gift to the world now. Here's a Chinese mask factory worker rubbing face masks on his shoes and laughing about it. I'm guessing those masks are for export to the West. Do you really want things from China right now? Do you really want anything from China right now? And here's the boss of a Chinese electronic thermometer company laughing about a scheme to preset electronic thermometers to give false readings, to say that someone only has a 36 degree Celsius temperature, which is normal, when in fact they have a 39 degree temperature, which is a fever, but only for those thermometers exported to America. Was he joking? Is that a threat? Is that a plan? Is that an official Chinese decision? I don't know. Do you want to risk it? After all, China's official diplomats have said the West is to blame for the virus, America in particular. My point is two things. Number one, we have a critical shortage of actual protection from the virus. There's no masks, there's no sanitizer. Try finding that in the store. And number two, what is coming from China is defective, either by accident or on purpose. I see reports of Chinese goods with counterfeit 3M labels on them. Just like they have counterfeit Gucci or Prada, they have counterfeit safety gear. So what can we do about this? Well, in Canada, our prime minister hides in his house and the mainstream media are fine with that. And his partisan health officer keeps lying about masks. Here's her version yesterday.
1: Our position right now is that put a mask on someone with symptoms. If they should need essential services. like If you have symptoms, you have to stay at home. You should, be, should not be wandering around the community. If you need to get to a medical facility, at that point in time, that mask might actually be useful because you now have infectious droplets that you might um, send to others. But the key is to keep those, that two meter distance. Um, masks um, have to be utilized appropriately too. Most people haven't learned how to use masks. So there's many practical aspects of this. So our advice right now is there is no need to use a mask for well people.
0: Yeah, she keeps saying that. She keeps saying masks don't work. And then she also says that we're too dumb to know how to use a mask properly. But if so, why, why do nurses and doctors need the masks if they don't work? Why is everyone in Taiwan and Hong Kong and South Korea and Singapore, places that have kept safe despite being so close to China, why do they all wear them if they don't work? Teresa Tam, Trudeau's hand-picked health officer, lies about the use of masks because Canada doesn't have any. So what else could she say that wouldn't get her fired? Yeah, I wish we had masks, but we don't. Now, it's the same in the United States, too. They don't have masks either. 3M announced a few weeks back that they're ramping up production of masks, both the cheap variety and the fancier N95 variety. Millions and millions. But America needs billions, actually. Billions a month. If Taiwan is making 10 million a day for a country of 25 million people, then America proportionately, needs 150 million a day. Proportionately, we here in Canada need 15 million a day. We don't have any. So the Centers for Disease Control in the United States, they're lying too about masks. But at least American industry is slowly waking up to this. Trump has been phoning captains of industry and even meeting with them. And talking to them in groups and one-on-one and twisting their arms to make things America needs. And when General Motors didn't respond or tried to wriggle out of things, Trump dropped the hammer on them and used a rarely used wartime power to compel them to make ventilators when they were resisting him. They got the message and so did everybody else. Trump gets on the phone personally and he goes to work on people. Art of the deal style. They're happy to comply. Out of patriotism and business interests. But Trump is there to make sure they do it and do it now and do it quickly. And he gives them some love. He gives them some spotlight as heroes. I want to show you a parade of industry leaders stepping up just yesterday at the White House announcing their efforts. Here's Jockey.
1: When we learned of the critical need for PPE, we knew we had to help. That meant restarting production on tier three isolation gowns. Monumental lifting by Jockey, Encompass, FEMA, and the FDA was done in just a few days to be production ready. As a result, we expect to begin delivering 30 to 50,000 gowns per week, helping those that need it the most right now. In addition, this week, we are also donating 10,000 units of scrubs to the frontline doctors and nurses at the Javits Convention Center in New
0: York City. Here's another industrial supplier. Last week, we donated about 90,000 pieces of personal protective equipment to FEMA. Next week, we'll have another almost million. Again, working through our supply chain partners around the world. We're also today, this week, beginning the manufacture of face shields. Using the additive technologies that we have and the machines that we have available within UTC, we'll be able to produce approximately 10,000 shields in the next four weeks. Again, all needed equipment. I won't go on, but you get the picture. I want to show you one more though. There's this guy. He's had a rough life. He used to be a drug addict. He Used to have a terrible life, but then he found God and he turned his life around. And he built a big company called My Pillow. And he's just a great rags to riches story. And he was at the White House uh, announcing that his company is now going to make masks. Just fifty thousand a day. It's a drop in the bucket, to be honest. But he's donating them to doctors and nurses. And he says it's going to be the most comfortable mask you could ever buy. Could be. I mean, he makes pillows for a living. Seems like a really good guy. And so Trump gave him, I think it was 90 seconds of spotlight yesterday. And because he's a Christian and a Republican, oh my God, did the lazy left attack him. Here's a guy who has retooled his factory to make and donate 50,000 comfortable masks a day for nurses and, and the media, which is like, yeah, I mean, they, they love Trudeau lazing around at home in his pajamas and they're like that. The media, like this reporter here, staying at home, watching Netflix, look up from their Netflix. They see this guy who's a Christian Republican and they raged at him. <laughs> that's, that's, that's typically, that's America. Industry is rising to the challenge. Slowly, not so slowly, I don't know, but they're finally doing it. The FDA down there, the Food and Drug Administration, they have cleared out bureaucratic tape, red tape, for testing and approving new drugs. Normally that takes years. They're doing it in weeks. Vaccines, therapies, just being rushed out as fast as possible. It's hopeful. They're also trying out existing drugs that might work on this virus, which brings me to the obvious point. As a Canadian, what are we doing here? And by we, I don't mean you and me. I mean, what what, what can we do? Um, we can't even protect ourselves because there's no masks in the stores. Here's a press release by a Toronto jacket manufacturer called Canada Goose. The company will begin making scrubs and patient gowns, which are in short supply across the country, and will begin distributing them to hospitals next week. To help address the urgent need facing healthcare workers and patients across the country, Canada Goose has committed to producing medical gear at two of its manufacturing facilities, starting in Toronto and Winnipeg, with the opportunity to extend production across additional facilities as needed. With production set to begin early next week, approximately 50 employees per facility will work to manufacture the gear and have an initial goal of producing 10,000 units. All right, that's really great, thank you. Um, 10,000 medical scrubs, that's what they call it, so the the overalls that nurses and doctors wear. 10,000 donated, that's pretty nice. And it's a drop in the bucket. But still, thank you, that's great. And I see some hockey manufacturers are making visors, too. That's great. Thank you. And I see some liquor companies uh, are, are retooling to make alcohol-based hand sanitizers. I think that's great, too. Uh, thank you to all of them. That's great. And without sounding in any way diminishing, that's just a drop in the bucket. We need a great push to industrialize like we did in the Second World War. We need to bring our supply chain home from China. We got to start the factories and the distribution here. You know, Taiwan knows it can never trust China because China wants to conquer and absorb Taiwan, right? So Taiwan doesn't trust the UN, doesn't trust China. And in February, when they saw this virus getting going, Taiwan retooled Taiwanese industry to get ready to make 10 million masks a day, as I mentioned. And they are, it took them almost a month to get ready. And now they're making them, and now they're safe. Only five people have died in Taiwan throughout the whole thing. Where are our 15 million masks a day in Canada? Has Trudeau even thought about it? Or does he still believe Teresa Tam, his hand-picked health officer saying, no, 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 you don't need a mask. We have the laziest leader in the world. He's quarantined himself, even though he doesn't have the virus. He's giving himself a pay raise. He's raising taxes on farmers and truckers, and he's not lifting a finger to get Canadian industry to rally to the fight. They're doing so on their own, if at all. Trudeau is like an emotional teenager, sleeping in, watching Netflix, and avoiding avoiding any responsibility. We Canadians deserve better. Stay with us for more.
1: you something uh, with all of this adulation that you're getting for doing your job are you thinking about running for president tell the audience no 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 you won't answer no i answered the answer is no no you're not thinking about sometimes it sometimes it's one word i said no have no. you thought about it no are you open to thinking about it no might you think about it at some point no. How can you know what you might think about at some point right now? Because I know what I might think about and what I won't think about. But you're a great interviewer, by the way. Appreciate it. Learn from the best.
0: Those are two brothers on the left, Chris Cuomo, a host for CNN. On the right, his brother, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York State, who is widely regarded as done, having done a good job and putting aside partisanship to work fairly closely with Donald Trump, the two men securing, for example, the U.S. Navy hospital ship, and Andrew Cuomo not being stingy about praising Trump when he does good things for New York State. It's given him a national prominence, and polls show he's very popular in his home state. There he is bantering as he does with his brother, but it is a real question. Would Andrew Cuomo be a better candidate than Joe Biden? I think the obvious answer to that is yes. And if so, would the Democrats make a switcheroo? Could they do that? I think the answer is obviously yes. And the final question is, so why is he saying no? Well, I think the answer is because it would be unseemly to say anything other than that, at least until the virus messes through. Joining us now via Skype from his home in Los Angeles area is our friend Joel Pollock, senior editor at large at Breitbart.com. What do you think Joel, do you think he has to say no, at least until the crisis has passed and anything else would look uh, shallow and self-serving? How could he not be thinking about running for president when he looks at Joe Biden?
1: Well, yes, he has to say no regardless. It is worth asking the question. People are talking about it, but let's just take a step back and understand Why? Before we get to the quality of the candidates, Joe Biden is stuck in his house in Wilmington, Delaware. He can't go anywhere. He has no reason to be in Washington. Nobody's traveling. Most of the country is not leaving their homes except for going to the grocery store, going to the pharmacy, seeing a doctor and so forth. So there is nothing Joe Biden can do in terms of the things Joe Biden is best at as a candidate, meeting people, shaking hands, slapping people on the back and so forth. He can't raise money, can't do anything. So he is stuck in a bunker. Same with Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, at least, has played some role in the Capitol, he goes to the Senate, votes on things when they're in session. But he, too, is basically in Burlington, Vermont, unable to do anything. It hurts Sanders particularly because he depends on rally-style campaigning and door-to-door campaigning. So that's going to hurt Sanders and his organization. The only person who is a free agent is Donald Trump. And that's because he is expected to be running the country. And so while he's not out and about all over the place, he is there every day in the White House, whether in the briefing room or in the Rose Garden. And he is busy and in front of the nation. The only reason Andrew Cuomo has come up is because Andrew Cuomo is also visible out there, expected to do things. Now, there are 49 other governors who are also out there. Gavin Newsom here in California is having daily press conferences. Other governors are as well. But Andrew Cuomo is in the media capital of the world. He's in New York City. So he's near all the cable news networks. Gavin Newsom, our own governor here in California, goes on Facebook Live and on local television, but he's not getting cable news attention. So Andrew Cuomo is there where all the news networks are. They can't really travel anywhere either. They're stuck in New York. So they get his daily briefings. And New York is also the epicenter right now of the coronavirus pandemic. The first early cases a month ago were all in Washington State in the Seattle area. But now New York City is the place where cases are spreading most rapidly. And so he's in the middle of it all. And he's the only Democrat who people can see doing something like what President Trump is doing. So the comparison naturally invites itself. The problem that Andrew Cuomo has is that he hasn't been running so far. He ought to have been running so far if he wanted to run. Bernie Sanders is still in second place. And he went on Seth Meyers' show from his home, as I believe Seth Meyers was from his home as well. And Bernie Sanders said yesterday, this is uh, Monday, that he still believes there's a path to the nomination, that he can beat Joe Biden. So it's still very much a race as far as the two top contenders are concerned. I don't think they're going to bow out. I don't think their donors are willing to back off either either. However, Democrats really do have a problem if Joe Biden is the candidate. He does not appear to be 100%, just to put it mildly. He stumbles on television interviews. He seems to check his notes, lose his train of thought, and it's just not clear what he's able to do. The other issue, of course, is just the natural advantage that any governor has in this situation. So it's possible Democrats might look at the upcoming primaries and say, look, we've had a lot of the votes already, but the majority of delegates is somehow still outstanding. I think it's a majority, or at least there are enough delegates still outstanding where we could in some way reset this process. Let's make up new rules. Yes, it involves changing the game as we go along, but that's not beyond them. They could say, we're going to change the rules. We're going to find a different way of nominating our candidate. And then they basically start the whole thing over with candidates who are at least able to campaign during the coronavirus pandemic. I could see that happening. in fact, I would expect that sort of talk to increase over the next several weeks, because otherwise Democrats are basically stuck. Now, Joe Biden is ahead of Donald Trump by 10% in some national polls because the economy is doing very poorly. But when you compare them side to side, there really is no comparison. Donald Trump's been managing this crisis and Joe Biden can barely manage a live stream webcast from his house. So it's going to be a problem for Democrats. They're going to have to address it. Nothing stays this lopsided forever. And I do think the party is going to have to come up with some alternative. I'd be surprised if they didn't at least find some way of making their candidates more accessible, more out there, maybe putting a governor uh, as the vice presidential pick. That's going to be hard because Biden's already com- committed to picking a female candidate. and There aren't too many female governors who are Democrats, very short list. So we'll see what happens. But this is a big problem for Democrats, and they're they're right now having the same discussion you and I are having, which is how are we going to move forward from here?
0: Um- I don't know a lot about Andrew Cuomo. I mean, I I remember when I was much younger following his father. Um, so he comes from a political family. His brother uh, is in CNN. I guess that's another advantage uh, that he has. But I tell you, he looks good. He sounds good. He's not a, a, a septuagenarian like Biden and and uh, Bernie. He. Um, can say honestly that he's had executive experience not just as a governor of a very important state, but uh, in other national positions. I think he's got a sense of humor. That's what I've learned about him in the last week watching his TV banter. I can't think of another Democrat who's got a sense of humor, and Trump has a wicked sense of humor, which he uses effectively. That's about all I know about Andrew Cuomo. Do you know more about him? Does he have some great strengths? Does he have some uh, grave flaws or weaknesses that would uh, manifest during a real presidential campaign? Well,
1: Cuomo is not a very strong candidate in a national election, and that's because his positions on most of the issues are very, very far to the left. One of the reasons that New York is particularly vulnerable to economic disruptions is that New York decided not to do fracking. When the shale industry started booming 10, 15 years ago, New York and Andrew Cuomo decided not to exploit that resource. Pennsylvania, just across the state line, did decide to get into fracking and is enjoying, or at least until now, was enjoying a boom as a result. So Cuomo is very much part of the Green New Deal far-left environmental movement. He also signed one of the most liberal abortion laws in the country last year. They lit up the Empire State Building in pink, color of Planned Parenthood. Uh, extending abortion all the way through birth. He also has raised taxes in New York state. So he's done a lot of things that are very far left in terms of policies. And while he may be visible right now as an administrator during the coronavirus pandemic, so is Donald Trump. It's not clear that Cuomo has an advantage over Trump, whereas many of his positions are so far to the left that when you start discussing what his policies are, he really is at a disadvantage next to Trump. Most of Trump's policies, at least the, the unique things that Donald Trump has done, like confronting China, rearranging trade deals and so forth, those things are very popular. So I think that Donald Trump is going to have an edge in any national election. Joe Biden, as left as he has become, is more moderate than Andrew Cuomo. So that gives you a sense of where the party's ticket would would shift. Now, you could argue the Democrats are already far left anyway. It's too late to change that. But Andrew Cuomo would, would definitely be somewhere between Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Maybe that would be good in terms of bringing the different factions of the party together, but it would not be good in terms of appealing to the broad American electorate. Hmm.
0: Well, let me ask you one last question, and that is, until this virus came along, the American economy was very strong. Um, there, there were a lot of things going Trump's way. And all of a sudden, the largest shock of unemployment, I think, ever, Mer- measured not only in absolute but relative terms. I mean, even the stock market crash of 29 did not have basically one week where everything fell apart. I don't, I don't think so. I, I don't know my history that well. I, I mean, well, I don't think anyone's blaming this on Trump, but after a while, who do you blame but the guy who's in charge? What are, Trump's, what are your thoughts on Trump's electability versus how he's handling the crisis?
1: Well, here's the sad irony of it. If it had been a moderate crisis, it would have been very bad for Trump. But because it is such a terrible crisis, and not just here in the United States, but around the world, it actually doesn't hurt Trump. And depending on how he manages his way out of it, could very much uh, help Trump. Had it been something that only affected the United States, had it been modest rather than catastrophic, had it been something that other countries had done a better job of dealing with, and there really aren't that many countries that that could have done better, then I think Trump would be in trouble. But given that Trump put a travel ban in place very early, given that he's now on television every day managing the industry of America, coordinating efforts to change our production, our assembly lines, to produce things we need in terms of medical goods, he's a commander-in-chief, he's a wartime president. Given the fact that Canada's had trouble, Mexico's having trouble, Europe is having, I mean, everybody's having trouble, and, and some countries are in much worse shape than we are. I think all of this makes Trump a very competitive candidate in November. Still, maybe a slight underdog because the economic damage is so severe, and people just take that out on whoever's in office. But I do think that there's a growing feeling, even among Trump's critics that he's the right leader for the job right now. You know, um, back during the 2016 campaign, Democrats liked to talk about all of Trump's bankruptcies and how he had failed in business and failed here and failed there. Well, he always built his way out of those failures. And so that experience of bankruptcy and failure and recovery now turns out to be great training for the position he's in. It's an unenviable position, but whether he wins or loses in November, Donald Trump will be remembered as the guy who gave up what mattered to him the most— For the sake of the country. He gave up his personal fortune. As president, he gave up the economic performance of the country to put lives first. He is exemplifying that sort of self-sacrifice. There may not be much of his businesses left when all is said and done, because he's in the leisure and hospitality industries, which have been absolutely smashed by coronavirus. So when he leaves office, he may have to start over again in terms of his personal fortune, his personal business. So, That's who he is. And I think over time, especially if the government continues to draw high marks from Americans and a majority of Americans approve of the job he's doing handling coronavirus. If if that continues, I think it makes him electable. I won't say a favorite, but it certainly means he could be reelected in November. The Democrats are going to have trouble finding someone with, with experience that's in any way similar. Andrew Cuomo may be the only one. But again, this comes very late in the cycle when Joe Biden's already the presumptive nominee. The entire party already rallied behind him a month ago, literally a month ago. It was March 2nd, March 3rd. I mean, it's four weeks ago today, really. So uh, that was Super Tuesday, four weeks ago. And that's when everybody was was backing Biden and Mike Bloomberg backed Biden. And that's how little coronavirus was on anybody's mind, really. Uh, Mm -hmm. Democrats were starting to complain about it, but they hadn't anticipated this kind of scenario. So- I think it's it's going to be okay. Politics is also, in a way, on, on suspended animation mm-hmm. for right now. People aren't really thinking about it that much. There is a blame game going on. But what's undeniable is that Donald Trump was dealing with coronavirus at a time when Democrats were impeaching him. Uh-huh. And you can say what you want about whether Donald Trump should have done more or less. But one is for certain, the Democrats did absolutely nothing about coronavirus until impeachment was over. They wasted their time and the country's time. And that's going to be a theme you hear more about in the coming weeks.
0: Wow. Let me throw one last thing at you just for fun, because uh, I don't think most people outside Canada know this. And I'm saying it just because I want to see your reaction. You know, Donald Trump got a test for coronavirus and it, the test was negative. He didn't have the bug. Uh, Boris Johnson got the test and he has it. So he's working from home and taking some steps, but he still seems healthy enough. Justin Trudeau, his wife got coronavirus and gave it to Idris Elba, believe it or not. And then she's been isolated. She's fine, thank goodness. Trudeau has not had any symptoms, yet he's been in self-isolation for almost three weeks. He has not taken the test that would obviously prove negative. Like I say, he has no symptoms. He's just choosing to stay at home. And once a day he comes out and gives a a little scripted press conference outside his house. Then he goes back in his house till the next day. And Joel, my point is, he doesn't have the virus. He just is quarantining himself like like he's a millennial laid off from, you know, a retail store. What do you think (laughs) of that?
1: Well, it sounds unfortunate. The good news in the United States is that if something happened to our administration, and God forbid that it did, but if something happened, the primary responsibility for disaster response actually lies with the states, not with the federal government. So if Donald Trump took a hiatus... You know, and and we hope he doesn't. But if he did, the country could run itself for a little while. You do need people to run things at the federal level. I can't say much about Trudeau other than it's interesting how he has now been forced to close the boundaries, how he's been forced. Although I, I know you've been documenting how flights from China are still arriving in Canada and so forth, but at least the border with the United States has been closed. It, it, it's sort of amazing how, how much things have changed. Hopefully we'll get back to normal pretty soon.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for letting me throw that at you. And I, I understand you don't have any yeah, sure. expertise on Canadian things. I just think it's globally embarrassing that our G20, G7 leader is just working from home in his pajamas just because. He doesn't have the bug. He just sort of likes being in his PJs all day. I think that's a remarkable yeah, well, thing. As, as why, we call it pajama casual. <laughs> Great to see you, Joel. Thanks for your time. All right. All right, Take care. Joel Pollock, senior editor-at-large at Breitbart.com. Um, I'm not wearing pajamas, but I'm, I'm not wearing suit pants. Uh, but where's our prime minister? It's very strange to me. All right, stay with us. More ahead. Hey, welcome back on my monologue yesterday about Dr. Theresa Tam advising Canadians that face masks don't work. Grant writes, she told us the risk was low. She told us to be more concerned about stigmatizing China than the virus itself. She's been way behind the ball since the start. Absolutely, she has not given genuine advice. She's given political advice. That's very different than what a health officer should do. Ann writes, this woman's a liar and we should all be wearing a mask. You're so right. It's pretty obvious. but what do you do when your idiot boss gave all the masks to China last month? Valeria writes, she should resign immediately. I have a better idea. Because if she resigns, some other think-alike, talk-alike Trudeau clone would take the position. How about she just speaks honestly now? How about she does a Jody Wilson-Raybould and just decides that if she's gonna go down, she's gonna go down telling the truth and just starts telling the truth. How about that? All right, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us from here at Rebel World Headquarters to you at home, stay healthy and keep fighting for freedom.